Hey, Alan here with Trent today on the Enduring Churches podcast, where we're here to help you and your church endure. And we've got a question for you today. Does the size of your church really matter in the grand scheme of things? Boy, that's a wide open question, Trent. So um, you got a quick answer for us today? Well, you know, quick, I'm not so sure about, but maybe there is an answer. We want to talk about that today because I think there's a a lot of people that worry that it it does. And and so we want to break that down a little bit um, and say, say, I guess the answer is yes and no. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, let's, let's break this down because we do, you know, Alan and I, we do this because we want your church to thrive and to endure. Um, and so I think there are some people, and we, Alan and I both, we deal with all different kinds and sizes of churches all the time, from larger churches down to tiny churches. And so are those, I guess maybe even the question, Alan, is, is your church relevant because of its size? I, I don't know. So let's talk about it. Yeah, it is a, it is an interesting question because on the one side, if you say, you know, does the size of your church matter, you know, to God, I mean, is he impressed, more impressed with a large church than he is a small church? Not Not necessarily. Is he more impressed with the small church than he is the large church? Not necessarily. So from that right. standpoint, we can say size is irrelevant, but does size have something to tell us about a church? Maybe it does, and maybe for that reason, it is a relevant question today. So let's uh, mm-hmm. let's kind of um, let's kind of think of it along that way, you know. Because if we think of it as just a as a maybe as a sole determinant of God's favor, then I'd, I think we'd have to say no. Size doesn't matter. But if we start to think of size as an indicator, then maybe it becomes very important and very relevant to our conversation today. Right. And, you know, um, last week we talked about context, and I think context is a part of this as well. Um, Alan and I were talking about this before, you know, based on the context of your church where it's planted. And I'm a big believer that God plants churches. um, And so, You know, say your church is a small church, but you're in a rural area with, you know, 500 people within 10 miles, then you're a very big part of that community. Um, And so it is very relevant. It does matter. Um, But then if you're a tiny church in in a 100,000 people city, then Maybe there's something we should learn based on the size of your church. Yeah, it's 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 always relative. So you can't make a broad paintbrush statement about church size because it, it it's really hard hard to do that because every circumstance is different. It's kind of like saying, well, if the average height of someone of a, of a man is five foot nine, you know, and saying you know that that a guy who's six foot nine and a guy who's five feet tall, you know, their experience is different than the average, right? I mean, so the same is true, true in church life. And it doesn't mean that one person's a better person because they're taller or shorter than, than the average. It's just different. And, and the experiences of churches 
are different based on size. But again, it can be a useful indicator for us. And, and like you said, Tramp, if a church is in a community that has 500 people in, you know, in, in their county or in their area, you know, and, and they're running 50 people, you know, and there's four or five churches that are running 50 people, that's actually a pretty good church rate, you know, mm-hmm. in that area. Whereas, you know, if you're, you know, if you've got a church of, of 50 people in a community of 100,000 people, you know, maybe your question is, why are we not growing and why are we 50 people, you know, when we don't, when there's so much more people around us? Um, even if there's a mega church down the road, there's probably still in the thousands of people who are unchurched and unconnected. So, mm-hmm. you know, context does mean mean a lot there. You often hear us talk about context, but contextualization is a big part of what we do um, mm-hmm. in ministry. But your size can be an indicator of health or unhealth based on, on where you are um, locationally. But I also think, you know, when we think about health factors, I think there's some things that we can look inside even our church size that will say, hey, these are some of the common struggles in any given size that Mm -hmm. that we all face. Now, we didn't put this in our notes, but one of the things you you and I were talking about before we recorded today was the idea of, you know, you have to understand that, that certain ministries take a critical mass if you're going to have them. And if you don't have that kind of critical mass, you're just not going to have whatever, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a, a church of, of 20 or 30 is going to struggle to have a, a youth ministry that is reaching, you know, a lot of youth because you're just, you're struggling with workers that will help and you're not drawing in possibly those families that would have youth in their in their family or children the same thing and so what alan said is absolutely right you you do have to have that critical mass and that you see these a larger church has the ability to create the space have the workers to do those things in those ministries yeah and again that doesn't make it better or um or anything like that it's just different it's just a Mm -hmm. a matter of, of what you're able to do you know so if you're if you're in a church that's under 50, you know, I can almost guarantee you that it has a family church mentality. You know, mm-hmm. the positive is, hey, we're we're all family here. And and mm-hmm. there is actually something beautiful um about that. There is something fun about that, that the relationships in that situation are so rich and so deep, and people know each other and they value each other and 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 there's something beautiful, but there's also a downside to that family church mentality, and that's that newer people can really have a hard time having a voice um, in, in in that experience, and so it's hard for new people to come in and feel like they're they're truly a part. And that's one of the things that will keep a church under fifty if they're not willing to face that particular barrier. Yeah, and thinking of from the pastor standpoint too. Uh, in, in a church under 50, it's easy to connect with those different people in the congregation. And, and you have, um, especially if you're there for a long time, and that's why we do call this the Enduring Churches podcast. We want you to be there for a long time. But if you're there in a, that setting for a long time, you have a huge influence over that, 
that congregation because you've done all the baptisms, you've done all the burials, you've done all the weddings, you know, um, and so it's a, you just have that influence, that relevance in that area. The next, the next group up, and this is kind of, we're doing this in kind of the sections that most people break church size down into, but um, under 125, that's a whole different challenge, Alan. What, how does that affect a church? Yeah, I think when you, you know, 100, 125, um, you know, I think what you run into is that shepherding challenge. You know, when you're under 50, the pastor knows everybody. Everybody knows them intimately. You can grow up probably till say 100, 125, and the pastor's still going to know everyone, just not as intimately. But one of the biggest things is is that you know what people expect of a pastor and what a pastor is able to do, and the people, number of people he's able to relate to. Once you're at 125, it's impossible. I mean, you just he just it's he just can't, you know. And and many of those churches take that family mentality all the way up to that point. And, you know, when their church starts to grow, well, it's just not family anymore. And people are getting hurt. Well, the pastor didn't come see me, you know. Mm. Um, he used to come to our house once a week, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, and you just can't. And so, you know, it becomes this barrier that, that you just start bumping up against that because of this size, we're happy to be this size. We're happy we want our pastor to know us intimately. We don't want to have levels of separation. We don't want to have to increase our role in ministry and, and in service because we want to be served by this person. And and it becomes a real struggle to break that kind of shepherding challenge that that exists there. That's true. I was As you're saying that, I was thinking about the last church that I pastored and we were at a size that was more than this. And we, I knew that I could not connect with everybody. There was just no way. And so we had a, a wonderful youth minister who is now their pastor. Uh, Kelly did an amazing job of connecting with a lot of the young families and youth because he was our youth minister. And so I, I didn't have to worry about that because I knew he was shepherding them well, the youth and the young families. And then we also, then we brought on, you know, a children's minister and that, that person could shepherd those kids and those families even with those kids. And so we were all kind of intermingling our shepherding skills over those families. And it wasn't just one person that took care of all their spiritual needs. We had a team that was doing that. Yeah, that's a then that that was a, a great look, look, and that was a fun to watch you um, help your church walk walk through that for just from the outside, and and you kind of saw me kind of do some similar things in in my church where we realized that we we had to kind of grow our support level, and there's a lot of ways to do it. You don't have to do it with paid staff. You can do it internally, but you have to create avenues that gives the pastor freedom to to begin moving to more of a leadership role um in in all of that and that kind of leads us into the next two now a lot of people would have one in at, at the 200 barrier i'm going to bump it trent if that's okay to, to 500 because i think in today's age where we're at in church culture i think the struggle whether you're trying to break 200 or 500 it's the same it's the same thing um, it just looks a lot different depending on the size, but 
I think it's structuring for continued success becomes the challenge. Um, if you're kind of in that size, how, how do we keep moving forward? I think a lot of it has to do with structures and, and processes that, that, you know, you, you have to create to allow you to allow you to do that because, you know, most churches, when they create their structure, you know, they blow up and when they blow up, they tend to outgrow the structure that was put down. And then you're always trying to backfill your structure. And that can become a very hard and challenging thing for churches to do and to do successfully. And so I think, you know, organizational issues, what you do with small groups become highly mm -hmm. important here. Yeah, it's very hard to change a structure of a church once they're already involved in that. I mean, to go into a Sunday school department and say, okay, we're going to change everything or a small groups thing. That's, that's hard for people because they're used to that. Um, also in this, in this size of church, just think about one area, think about children's ministry, how important structure is and processes are, especially for children and parents of small children. They don't do well with change. I mean, we always talk about senior adults not doing well with change, but I'm telling you, young families who have little kids in, in programs, they don't do well with change because they're worried that things are, you know, their kids are going to fall through the cracks or whatever. Uh, this is an area where you really have to think through how it's going to grow long term and you're going to have to continually add. I know this sounds counterintuitive because I just said, well, they don't like change, but for your church to continue to grow, you're going to have to continually add processes and structure uh, for it to for it to grow more. Well, and I think that's what that's that's building the the kind of the idea that change is a part of growth, right? That this is something that right. is, you know, if you're not changing, if you're not changing something, then then people will grow comfortable. If you build change into what you're doing, then people get comfortable and expect change. And so when you don't have change, then that becomes uncomfortable. So you really want to, to kind of build this idea in. I heard years ago that, you know, you should structure your church in its early, in its, early days to be 10 times bigger than what it is. So if your church has 50, you should kind of have a structure that will allow you to grow seamlessly up to 500. If you have a church that's 500, you should have a structure, you know, that could maybe allow you to grow up to, to uh, 2,500 to, to 5,000 fairly seamlessly. Now you, you think about that, that is a mass matter of scale, but it, but it is important um, to, to think about, you know, and, you know, I get it. Some churches, you know, if you're if you're the county seat First Baptist Church, and and you know you've got half the population in your church, I get that you don't might not need a ten time plan, but you might. You know, the city could grow out your direction, and they could all of a sudden say, "Hey, we're building five thousand new homes in your community." You know, I've got a church um, in in my association of mostly rural churches, but they're putting three thousand homes in. And there's the plans right there. Things right. catch up to you sometimes. So you you, yeah. you need to be on the front end paying attention to those things. But, you know, there's there's a lot written about structure. Get help with structure. I think that's one of the things. Don't, don't just trust all your instincts on structure. I think that's what a lot of churches fail to do. 
what are some creative ways to make this happen? And there's the organizational side, but then there's also the practical side. And I think one area where we fall apart is in, in our small groups, because the larger you get, the, the more important you, how you break people down into small groups gets. And if you do not do that well, you, you, you basically say size is capped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and when your church is growing at this point in this size range, you're going to be drawing people who are, who are leaders in other fields. And the more that you can involve them and give them opportunities and authority to work in, then they will develop that structure and they'll develop those small groups and they'll be good teachers and leaders for that. And this is this is a real struggle for pastors to let go. Um, those control freak pastors, they're going to struggle with letting some of this go to some people other than themselves. Yeah, that's true. I've mean, I've had struggles with that. You know, it's hard mm -hmm. it's hard to let some things go. I'm actually had had to have an honest conversation about something we're looking at in my present role where I would start something and give it off and but, mm. but i like that you know yeah um, but it is important for us to, to give certain things away you know and if your church is larger you know let's just talk about the the above 500 church and certainly different but this is a small percentage of churches overall especially mm. when you hit the the mega church size which is over 2000 it becomes an even smaller smaller segment but you know, I think one of the big issues that we're facing today, you know, and that, that struggle is what's going to drive the church, you know, is it going to be the personality and event driven place, or is it going to be, um, you know, a Jesus driven place? And, and that is a struggle because there, it always feels like the bigger you get, the more you feel like you've always got to top yourself. The more you feel like you've got to do something bigger than everyone else, the more you feel like, you know, if I did one event this year, then I've got to do a bigger event next year. And it, it really becomes more about driving the machine that is the church than being the church. And that's a real struggle to, to fight through. Well, a way to, to combat that, I think, Alan, and I've seen this work well, is the churches that, that, don't focus on one person being the pastor, but they have a team really of pastors at this point. Um, and that several people are preaching over the course of a year, there are several people are sharing, the more likely they're to be Jesus driven than personality driven. I just have seen that work well. And if you just got one guy who's sharing all the time, um, it's, if that person ever leaves, then that church will will drop off the map precipitously. It's it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I think accountability too. Accountability is huge here. You know what kind of accountability structures are are in there? By the time you're this size, you you typically tend to be a staff led church. You know, so so who's in charge? And usually the 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 loudest voice is that lead pastor, that senior pastor person. And, you know, what, is, what levels of accountability does that person, has that person built into their lives and built into their ministry? We've seen guys do this well. We have seen so many people do this well. We've also seen many people completely blow up their lives, blow up their ministries, and blow up their families by not doing this well. And mm -hmm. we, you know, it's just a unique dynamic. Not everyone is suited for it. 
you know, there's an old saying in the business world that we tend to promote people to the level of their ineffectiveness. So we keep promoting people and promoting people and promoting people until we find the point where they can't do the job anymore. And then we, we get frustrated with them and we fire them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can actually you see that in, in many places. You see that in like uh, you think about it from coaches. You know, someone might make a great coordinator, but they might not be a great head coach. Um, how do you know? Well, sometimes you don't know until you put them in the role, you know. But yeah. what is your, your thing if, if they can't handle that and can't do that? You know, you have to think think through those things. But it, it yeah. it's just its own unique challenge. The megachurch provides um, a, a challenge un- unlike others. And the truth is, is that one of the frustrating things that they're running into is they can't find replacements to replace the people. They just, because who's going to, if you, if you enjoy the one you're at, you're not leaving it. Right. And so, so there's a, there's a definitely a huge, a huge challenge um, yeah. for that. Well, and I was going to add to that. This is an area where administration is huge and not just the people that are seen before the congregation, but you've got to build in for everywhere from 125 on, you've got to build in people who are very good at administration to be able to be effective, to allow. It's just like the same picture that the disciples said, hey, when they're confronted with, hey, our widows aren't getting the same amount of food from the Greeks and the Hebrew and the Jews, right? So they said, hey, we're going to have to, we want to focus on the word of God and prayer, and we're going to put some other people in those roles of administration. You have to do that, and you have to focus on on that um, to be able to get that to happen and to continue to happen well, so that the people that are in front of the congregation can focus on those things. Yeah, that's a great thought. That's that's so true. So those are just some of the things, and I know we could probably come up with a bit, even bigger list. We just kind of want to talk about some of the main things. But you know, Trent, one of the interesting things of things about size is that size for most churches is very, very fluid. You know, it can change, you know, churches that were large can become small churches that were small can become large, but there is kind of a movement among some churches to practice intentional sizing, you know, where this is, we don't want to be bigger than this. This is where we feel. And if we get this many people, we're going to plant another church and we're going to plant another church. And, and I think that this is something we've seen in, in church plants because they know they know how to manage and what to expect at a certain size. Right. Well, and those church plants typically put in way more thought at the beginning so that they are prepared for that 10 times growth that you mentioned earlier. Um, and But the other side of that intentional sizing, it, it may seem unintentional, but it really is intentional as that church that says, you know, it's us four and no more kind of thing. And, and they become that country club atmosphere. Um, and, and so they don't involve new people. They, and there's that, you mentioned the business principle. There's the other business principle of getting the right people on the right seat on the bus. Um, and you, you know, a church that intentionally keeps control doesn't get those right people on the right seat of the bus. Absolutely right on that. So that's something to, to think about. You know, so so when we think about that, one of the challenges we have at any level, and one of the things we have to think about is that discipleship and leadership development are essential. I mean, who you're pouring into, be intentional about that. 
be intentional about what discipleship looks like, but recognize at any given size, it looks different. It just changes because the dynamic changes. And so, you know, a pastor might can, you know, be the chief discipler in a small church. The larger the church gets, the the less the pastor is able to fulfill that role. And it has to be spread out. So think through those things um, in regards of size. And one other thing about size that I think that's important, Trent, is, you know, where is where is technically it easier to make change when your ship is small or when your ship is large? Yeah, you compare turning a bass boat to turning a cruise ship, and you can turn that bass boat way quicker. And so that small church, you have the opportunity to make change if it's allowed. Um, and but the, the other side of that is that the larger the larger church has an expectation of change more than the smaller church does. The smaller church is able to change quicker, but they don't have the expectation of change. The larger church has the expectation of change, but they struggle to make it happen. Man, you stole all my thunder on that too. I was going to <laughs> But isn't it funny? You know, because yeah. I hear this. I hear this so often. Oh, if you pastor a small church, you can just make change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have to look over at that person who's controlled everything in the church and see if they yeah. agree to that change that you want to make. You know, and, right. and you have to lead through that dynamic. And if you're not there very long, you're never going to get through that dynamic, right? So right. you have to earn the right to make change before you can make the change. And so that takes time, just like it takes time in a big church where you don't have to get as much permission to make change. So it still takes time. It may take the same amount of time in a small church as in a large church. You know, you are more stealthy, though, when you're small. And maybe some yeah. of the things that maybe aren't so changed, but you can you can do guerrilla evangelism a whole lot easier in a small church than you can in a large church. There's a lot of things you can do in a small church you can't do in a large church. There's a lot of things you can do in a large church you can't do in a small church, which means that size does not mean that you are more in favor with God or less in favor with God on its own. But we should always ask ourselves, in my context, mm-hmm. does size matter? Right. And in your context, it does. Mm-hmm. Good question. And so we would encourage you, Alan, and I would encourage you to ask yourself, you know, is my church at the size, is it relevant in my community? Is it, is it doing what God placed it here to do? Is it reaching those people? And so I hope that you'll take these, these thoughts that we've shared today and kind of think through them based on your context and, and see, you know, God is, have, I know that you placed our church here, but are we doing what you've equipped us to do um, and what you've placed us here to do? And so we're, we're very thankful today that you've given us a little bit of time to share with you. Um, we hope that you'll think through this. And if, it, if this has helped you, please uh, take just a few minutes to share this with a friend and uh, help us to be able to uh, be a blessing to someone else. But we appreciate your time today and hope that you will tune in next week for our next episode of the Enduring Churches podcast.